Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's Rob and RJ on a Friday. It's a football kind of a weekend as the divisional playoffs get busy, but the Spurs remain front and center. Uh, they're playing again tonight, trying to get off a three-game schneid. Uh, they will be doing so without Victor Wimbayama. Some pre-planned uh, load management as you taking the night off on the front end of a back-to-back. Let's talk some Spurs. Um, this is a, I'm excited about this. Uh, we've, we've got a, a new guest on the show today. I, I got an opportunity to read some of his stuff and see some of the stuff on the Vic and Roll. I've seen that for a while. Uh, but I, we've never had a chance to actually meet uh, Noah Majero George, and he is here with us right now. Welcome on the show, sir. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Really excited to talk some Spurs basketball, even though, uh, you know, there's no Victor Wimbanyama tonight. Yeah, and, and while without him, and it's something as Spurs fans we've, you know, grown accustomed to when we're dealing with these uh, back-to-backs. You know, the most basic question that goes on around now, and, and for you who, who sees the numbers and all that uh, much deeper than most, when, when, when people come up and ask me and they go, why is he not playing? What's the best answer? Yeah, I mean, obviously with this team, it's the long-term view, right? I mean, we could be short-sighted and say, you know, he needs to be playing. He's only 20 years old, but he's a guy who at seven foot three has such a unique skill set, uh, you know, from the three-point shooting to the passing to the dribbling and the athleticism, the fluidity. But we're talking about a guy who's so big, and think about all the big guys, the really big guys, the Yao Ming, the Sean Bradley's, the Bull Bulls, all those guys had injury problems so if we're trying to preserve this guy for the long term which is exactly what the Spurs are trying to do then you know of course they're going to be cautious with him so if it's an ankle sprain and he tweaks it here or there they're going to be cautious so you know that's why he's sitting out uh you know back to back that's why he's on a a minutes restriction and and as Pop said a few weeks ago you know they're going to reevaluate him and once they decide hey he's good to go he'll be good to play those 30 minutes a game he'll be good to do the back to back but for now it's about taking care of him so that he can be there when everybody's at their peak, when they're ready to make that playoff run, when they're ready to establish a dynasty. Noah, two-part question. First of all, thanks for joining us. But um, I think that we want to evaluate Wimby's rookie season in the only ways we know how, whether he is an all-star, whether he's rookie of the year, and I think that's why we are so passionately fighting for those things. So, one, would you grade to where we're at a success? Again, all the, if you want to call it frustration included there, and two, are those things necessary for the season as a whole as a whole to be a success for him? I think if you ask the Spurs, no, right? I mean, like obviously, rookie of the year is a really big deal to um, you know individuals. It's an individual accolade. But I think if you ask them, you know, is he healthy in five years and we're competing in the playoffs and we're making a run at titles, but he didn't win rookie of the year his first year? I think the Spurs wouldn't care. But as far as the success goes. I would say yes, and I guess it depends on how you define success. But for me, success is, 
you're figuring out what this guy can do. You're trying to put him in spots where he's comfortable. And you didn't force feed him at the beginning. You didn't just throw all this responsibility on his shoulders as a 19-year-old who just recently turned 20. You're letting him ease into his game. And we've seen what that has done for him, right? He's slowly acclimated. The efficiency numbers are going up. The Mm -hmm. touches are going up. The usage is going up. And he looks more comfortable out there. And his teammates are figuring out how to find him rather than at the beginning, again, force-feeding him, making him do things maybe he's not ready for. That may be what Spurs fans wanted, and they may want to see that rookie of the year. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's just about his long-term health. Though, if you ask me, he's the rookie of the year. Like, I I love Chet, and I don't want to discredit anything he's done, but the context of their situations – it has to be Wimbenyama for me. There's not another answer to that question. He is Noah Margero. George, you see the Vic and Roll Substack. It's great stuff, by the way, if you're a Spurs fan, because it explains there's so many numbers behind some of the opinions going on out there. And I want to talk about a couple of the others. And, of course, the most obvious are are, are Devin uh, Vassell and, and Keldon. <laughs> so, you know, we've seen Keldon go to the bench, and we've seen Devin, you know, kind of take over a little bit more of, of the role. And it does feel like long-term he's kind of a dude. What are the numbers tell you about his efficiency and, and the reason why he needs to do some different things while Keldon has been moved to the bench? Yeah, I think with Devin Vassell, it has been kind of rough as of late. And actually, you know, tonight with Wimben Yama not playing, He's been pretty bad when Win Binyama sits. You know, he's only mm-hmm. averaging about 13 points per game, 33% shooting from the field, 24% from three when Win Binyama sits. And to me, um, I love him. I think he is a great number three option on a really competitive team. But right now, he's going to be tonight, and most nights, he's the number two option on a really bad team. And I, and I don't know that that really suits him. Now, his shooting efficiency has gone up year over year. His three-point percentage has gone up year over year. Um, but as far as his skill set, I think he makes sense long-term on this team because he's a guy who can cut without the ball. He can relocate around the three-point line. He's a good movement shooter. He's a guy who slowly figured out how to get to his spots off the dribble, and I think the next part for him is kind of figuring out how to get to the rim more often. We saw that against the Celtics. We did. I think he had about seven or eight free-throw attempts, and that's a big part of his game. He can't be a guy who shies away from contact. And I think that's what I love about Kelvin, right? I mean, even when Kelvin's not shooting well, even when he's not playing well, he's committing turnovers, he's, you know, so, sort of a sieve on defense, he's always aggressive. He has that head down, he's embracing contact, he's getting to the line. And I'd love to see a little bit of that from Devin. I think if he took a page out of Kelvin's book in that regard, it could go a long way. Of course, different skills, different body types, different players, but Really love Devin Vassell long-term, and I think once San Antonio finds that number two next to Victor Wimbanyama, Devin Vassell will slot in really nicely as a number three. I think his efficiency will go up. I think all of his skills that he's good at right now will be amplified. So love Devin Vassell. Tonight, I'm not 100% sure he's going to do too well again. Not played well without Wimby, but love him long-term. I think he's a really great piece. On the subject of, you know, curating help, uh, we'll just – throw a blanket over it like that. You talked about this on your recent post on your Substack. Um, the DeJounte, the Trey Young stuff, like it's it's all anybody kind of wants to talk about at this point. Um, it does seem, I don't want to say to be percolating, but there's a lot of conversation there. Um, is, is, it, is it worth doing that now? Because, again, there is this sense of impatience or anxiousness or whatever you want to call it. Or is it is it a much more sound approach in your mind to sit back, wait, you know, till the summer and, and have a little bit more time to figure things out and use this draft capital the right and proper way. Yeah, I think it has to be the right player. So I think there's two answers to that. The first one is if you have a guy like Trey Young who is possibly available, 
of course you call, you inquire, you see what, you know, what is the price? And for me, the Hawks, the only thing that can be more valuable to them than just having first rounders is getting those first round picks back. If they truly are blowing (laughs) it up and moving away from Trey Jones. And the only thing that's going to be more valuable than a first rounder again is going to be their own pick. So if you're the Spurs, you have a chance there. You might as well try that. But if it's, and again, love DeJounte Murray. This is no shade at him, but if it's just a DeJounte Murray level player, who's, you know, a one-time all-star, you know, probably better suited as, you know, like a number three option, Mm -hmm. because we've seen him as the best player on on a team, right? It's a play-in team at best with the Spurs. We've seen him as a number two next to a superstar like Trey Jones, or Trey Young, rather. That team is also barely a play-in team. So if it's a guy like that, you, I think you wait. You wait, you see what you, you can see and evaluate with the players on your roster now. Maybe you look at him in free agency or someone of his caliber, but they had a chance to chase someone like that this summer. You know, it was Fred Van Vliet. They said, hey, could he make us better? Sure. But is he going to make us good enough to really get somewhere long-term, have this vision that we want to, you know, flesh out as a dynasty that lasts, kind of like we saw with Timmy, Tony, and Manu. And I think they, they came to the answer was no. So if I'm them, I'm waiting it out unless you can find that disgruntled you know, all-star who can be that number two next to Wemby, who can really juice his game in the way that Trey Young does. So uh, it really just depends on the player. But, you know, you got to do your due diligence. And I think even though we don't necessarily see trades all the time, I would definitely reassure fans that, you know, Brian Wright and the rest of that front office brain trust, they're on the phone. You know, even if we don't see it and we don't hear it. Well, we assume they are, right? We assume they are, Noah. Yeah, you got to. You have to. Yeah, you got to assume that they're doing their job. He is Noah Magero George. His his, uh, Vic and Roll on Substack is knowledge you need. Uh, When last we saw uh, Zach Collins, it was back last year, um, he had been moved to the bench but was playing a huge role in the offense. And since he has left, the point guards have changed and the focus on the offense is leaning more and more toward uh, Victor. What do you expect to see from Zach and how do you expect Pop to use him once he gets back? Because I don't expect it to be the same. Yeah, that's a really great question because Zach Collins was a guy who was a starter at the beginning of the year. They decided, you know what, Wimpenyama is better at center. And I think even though people really came hard for him, like saying he's not very good, um, you know, he's not shooting well, you know, he's turning the ball over, he's soft. I think we've seen a different player with him coming off the bench, and that might be his best role. I think you're going to see him continue to operate as that high post playmaker, you know, finding cutters from the elbows. He's a guy who can be a pick and pop threat. You know, since he moved to the bench, he shot over 50% from three. Now, I'm not saying that's going to sustain. That's not sustainable. Nobody does that over the course of a season. But if he can be respectable, you know, that 36, 37, 38% range, that gives you a lot that you can do. So I like Zach Collins. I think once he comes back, he's going to continue to come off the bench. And it could be tonight. He's questionable tonight. Mm-hmm. I would probably lean towards him not playing because he just had three-on-three workouts for the first time, and that was two days ago. So, you know, throw him into the five-on-five full game speed. I don't know that the Spurs are ready to do that, but he could play tonight. So if we see him probably coming off the bench, probably doing a little bit of what we've seen him do since he had been coming off the bench, since that demotion, if you want to call it that. Noah, what, what is hiding in plain sight right now? I mean, the, the word, we're just too dis- – I mean, you know, there, there are a few things that just kind of distract us. I mean, what, what are we missing that we're – and that, that could be good or bad. I mean, what are, what are we not properly enjoying or, or properly, you know, uh, concerned about at this moment? Yeah, I always try to stay positive for the most part because I think this first season, even though they're on pace to lose more games than a year ago, I think 
the development of individual players has been pretty promising. And, you know, for me, one of my favorite things to do is look at the X's and O's, and I'm not going to, you know, weigh all down with a bunch of terminology, but I think if, if you want to check out something that's really cool, just watching how they've been able to utilize Victor Wimbanyama in different ways. At the beginning of the season, you know, they were running some back screens for him to get some post touches here and there. They were kind of letting him freelance, and now they're, they're setting cross screens from him to come out of the corner. They're running more designed plays to get him the ball. And they're also using Victor Wimbanyama as a decoy, which personally I love. I know people want to see, you know, get the ball in his hands, let him score, let him get all the shots. But he has such tremendous gravity where all these defenders have to look at him. You get him in motion. You make it look like you're trying to get him the ball. Meanwhile, on the opposite side of the court, you're setting screening actions to get other players open. My goodness, like if you're able to use them in that way, long-term, once you find those guys who are good shooters, who are complementary role players, who are those ancillary all-stars, superstars, compliments to him, it's going to look really cool. So for now, um, you know, maybe it doesn't look perfect because the efficiency numbers aren't great, but they are doing some really cool things with Victor Wimbanyama, both on the ball, off the ball, and as a decoy. So if there was anything positive that I think most fans are missing, I think it's that. And if we look at that, I think the future looks really bright. Interesting. Noah Majero George joining us here as we're looking at the Spurs. Uh, uh, explain the ascendance of Blake Wesley. He was lost for a month or so, month and a half or so, and over the last week and a half or two weeks, we've seen more of him. And is it because he's controlling his game a little bit better, or is it just his time during this uh, this season? Yeah, Blake Wesley is awesome. Uh, I think he's just a ball of energy, and I think the best way you can put it is that he makes stuff happen. Whether that's good right. or bad, we can argue because he is still kind of lost out there at times. But you've seen it even on Trey Young where he comes out the second half after Pop has benched all the starters minus Sohan, and he's just ready to prove himself. Right? He's got that fire where I'm locked in. I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it 110% effort. He hounded Trey Young. He forced that eight-second violation. He gets to the rim. He's so fast. I think he's starting to slow things down as far as how he sees the game. There are some things he has to work out, but I think when you look at what Popovich has loved over the years, it's guys who put in the effort, who have attention to detail on the defensive end, and who know their role. And right now I think that's the perfect encapsulation of what Blake Wesley is doing. He's not making it me, me, me. It's not all about himself. It's not how can I score. It's how can I make this team better? How can I contribute? And I'm going to dig in on the defensive end and I'm going to make your life, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to be difficult. So I've loved that from Blake Wesley. Now he's going to have to figure some things out to be here. Part of that, you know, future core, if you want to call it that, but I've been impressed with what I've seen on the defensive end and certainly his finishing, which was kind of the biggest issue for him in college was he can get to the rim, but once he's there, you know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a question mark whether he's going to finish. Uh, it's been better this season, especially as of late. It has so been. Really impressed with those two things from him, the defense, the finishing at the rim. He's a guy who can definitely, you know, make this team a little bit better, especially considering, you know, they're really on a lot of other ball handlers. <laughs> There's there not, and that's been a rub, it's hasn't it? just him and Trey Jones. He is, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> his sub stack is Vic and Roll. If you're down with the Spurs, you need to be reading it. It's really good stuff all the way through it. We appreciate you stopping by. It's Noah Majero George. The sub stack is Vic and Roll. Uh, thanks for the knowledge. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh,